the closer that we get, and every day you get a day closer to the return of the Lord, the more I realize as, as a, a preacher of the gospel just how important it is to bring something that, to you that God's laid on my heart that will help us prepare and get ready for that day. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong in the Bible you can preach at all. But I do, th I do think and believe with all my heart that there is, there is messages and things of urgency that the Lord wants us to, to be ever so mindful of. And, you know, when you, when you go through the Bible... And a lot of people have a lot of questions about the Old Testament. And people have questions about the New Testament. But when you look at the Bible, you can see Jesus Christ from cover to cover. And I want to tell you, unlike what a lot of people think in the world says, that God so loved this world that he gave his only son. God loves the world. And so the Lord made preparations when man fell in the garden and sinned and marked us all with sin. God didn't let a moment go by before he had a plan in place. And that plan in place all pointed to his son Jesus, which we've been celebrating and, and, and looking at over the past uh, couple of weeks. But because the message is very timely every week and... We don't know when the Lord's going to return again. I'm going to ask all of you to let's pray together that we would understand that this is one of the most fruitful times for the devil right now, and that is so he can steal the seed. And we know he's a thief. He's a robber. He comes to steal. You know the other things, kill and destroy. But not many people pay much attention to the fact that this is where he does a lot of his dirty work. It's right inside of a church. Because mine and your mind will be on a dozen different things while the word of God is going forth or while the worship of God is going forth. But God is also so good of a God, he's put something in place. It's called prayer. And we can just, we can just shut the devil down right here, right now. You might say, well, preacher, I, I don't know that I, I have a problem with that. You, you have more of a problem than you understand because you can sit here and you can be all into everything and all of a sudden we start looking at the Bible and then your mind goes on things like, did I turn the crock pot off? You know, something real holy. And, and, and that, that's a legitimate concern. But see, if you were watching a movie on Saturday night, that had all kind of junk in it, your mind wouldn't be on a crock pot. It wouldn't be on, did I leave the water on? It, it wouldn't. See, the devil, he doesn't oppose that. So we're going to do what God allowed us to do, and we're going to pray, God, that this is, this is soil. I'm telling you this every week. I know I am. But that my heart and my ears is soil. And you told me that it's possible that that seed could be thrown and it could, it could bounce right off of it. Or I could leave out of here and get some bad news or a bad text. 
and everything that I received and enjoyed and consumed inside of your house, it, it's all gone because now it's hit some stony ground and I'm way down with the cares of the light and it's choked it all out. So we want the seed to fall in good soil so that when you face something on Monday or God puts a new opportunity for you on Monday or Sunday afternoon, you want to be able to capitalize on that. So let's do this right now. Let's pray that God would help us to hear, help me to speak, me not be distracted, me not be uh, thinking about something else. And then you know what? We'll all walk out of this building with joy unspeakable, full of glory. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this word that's going to always be here, Lord. You've told us that. I thank you, God, that right now, while the enemy is trying to scheme and connive and plan with things to put in our hearts and our minds or to afflict us with something that would get our attention, oh, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, help us to know that this is a crucial time in our life, in, in the world itself, and God, we need to get all of the word we can get, and we need to receive it. We need to build ourselves up right now on our most holy faith. So I'm asking you, God, to help us do just that. Help us to resist the devil right now, Lord. With a made-up mind, we're going to receive. And we're going to see where we are in the word today, Lord, and where the word is in us today, Lord. Help us to rebuke him, to shut him down, and not be a distraction to anybody or allow anybody or anything, including our cell phone, be a distraction to us. And God, all you do will give you praise in the holy name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. I love him, and you get tired of this, but I just want to give him another great worship offering and applause right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to his name. Now, I told you a while ago about the Bible showing us Jesus all throughout the pages of the Bible. And I'm going to go to the second book of the Bible, and I want to tell you a story about a little baby boy that when you look at him, you, you can see the plan of God many, many, many centuries before Jesus ever shows up on the scene. His name is Moses. Now, Moses was born at a time when Pharaoh was, was getting upset because of God's promise. Now, he didn't know it was a promise of God, but the people of God, the Jewish nation, started multiplying. And do you remember when God told Abraham, he said, look up, you see the stars, look down, you see the... The sand at the beach you're looking at, he said, your descendants are going to be more than that. So see, God, he doesn't go south on his promises. And old Pharaoh saw that taking place. And so he come up with a plan. Now, I want you to do what I've already done. I want you to see if there's any part of this story reminds you of the story of Jesus or Jesus himself. So here we go. He got upset because 
These people were multiplying by the droves. He didn't know what to do about it. And he came up with a plan. Or I want to say somebody gave him a plan. And the plan was to go to all the midwives of the Hebrew Hebrew women that were assisting those ladies in childbirth. And he said, this is what I want you to do because this cannot keep happening because if it does, there's going to be more of them than there are us. So when you see a baby being born and it's a male, I want you to kill that baby right then. By the way, free of charge today, abortion's been going on for a long, long, long time, y'all. Before there were red or blue Heroes, donkeys and elephants is what I'm talking about. Abortion's been happening a long time because I've already told you his job is to kill. I told you, didn't I tell you that? Steal and destroy. He does it with anybody, with anything. And so he was going to get some kind of edge, he thought, and have all these babies murdered as soon as they were born. But... The Hebrew midwives, this is a message in itself, feared God and wouldn't do it. And so he kept noticing, man, listen, these people aren't leveling off, but they're increasing even more. And so he went and investigated, and he said, hey, midwives, what's up with this? I told you to assassinate any male child. They said, listen, this is what they said. Whenever these women... These Hebrew women bear children. Oh, they ain't like us. They're not like any old kind of woman. Man, they, and I'm sorry to be so frank with y'all today, but they just have them babies on the spot. They pop them right out is what he was saying before we even get there. That's what he said. Read it for yourself, Exodus 2. And uh, God saw that the midwives feared him. And they didn't do it, so God just poured on even more of a blessing. And they were blessed in the process. Now, where we jump into today is in the Hall of Faith, which is Hebrews chapter 11. And if you want to turn there or scroll there, you can do that. But before we read the passages... I want to tell you what happened as a result of the Hebrew women not doing this. There was a baby that was born to this man and woman, and this man and woman saw that baby, and and, and when they looked at that baby, something unusual took place. I think we better go ahead and read Verse 23, because I want you to get the whole context of what's happening here. By faith, Hebrews eleven twenty-three. by faith. Now, I've kind of brought you up to this point, so this is where the story continues. When, when Moses, by faith, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents. Now, this is critical right here. Because they saw he was a beautiful child. King James says he was a proper child. But they saw him and he was a beautiful child. And they were not afraid of the king's command. 
by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the, I want you to say that word with me, passing, say it with me, passing pleasures of sin. Verse 26 continues saying, esteeming the reproach of Christ. Here you go. Exodus. Yes, we're reading from an Exodus account. The reproach of Christ. Greater riches than treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. Let me just say that right now. How many of you today, doesn't matter what's going on in the world, really your heart and your head and your eyes is looking to a reward that I believe we're to get and receive sooner than later. And it's becoming the bride of Christ on that wedding day. Is anybody else looking for that reward? Hallelujah. Amen. It's, he's worthy of the praise. So, and, and I just think it's a great thing that the basket's right here in front of the cross because I've already, I know I read his name, but I've already seen Jesus, you know, because it would be, as I've already said, centuries later when there would be another king that thought the way to just end God's plan was to kill a bunch of other male babies. But see, God will always, always, always fulfill his promise and he'll intervene and he'll do whatever. And in this case, he had the parents of Moses to make a basket and put that little baby in there. And the Bible says that they put him in the water and as the basket got caught in some, some brush over on the bank that of all people, Pharaoh's daughter, Pharaoh's daughter, tell me God won't give you favor in the middle of the devil trying to do the worst thing in the world and he'll do that. You need to hang on to that by the way. In the, in the weeds over on the side of the bank, here is that basket. And then Pharaoh's daughter comes and she sees that beautiful, proper baby. And it was crying. And he had uh, captured her heart. And to show you again the favor of God, his sister went and told Pharaoh's daughter, said, look, do you want me to go get one of the Hebrew ladies and have them to come and nurse. She said that'd be a super that'd be a super thing to do. Super's not in King James or New King James, so don't look for that word. But she liked the idea and said, do that. And so his own mother came back and was able to nurse him and take care of him until he was old enough to be her son. Now, are you with me so far? You know how he got to the basket. You know why he's in the basket. You know why his parents put him in the basket. I think you might, but there might be something else that, that you may have missed because I certainly did. Today, what God's laid on my heart to do is to look at this or these passages that we've just read in two different from two different perspectives. The first one is from the perspective of your children. 
And parents, I want to ask you a question right now. Now, let me just preface this by saying I know parents have maybe no children or grown children or grandchildren or children who are like children, but there's something for everybody here. So please listen. When Moses' parents saw him, the Bible tells us that they saw that he was a proper, beautiful child and that that is what caused them to do the next thing that they did. And I want to ask you parents today, you parents online, I want to ask everybody, what do you see when you look at your children or your child? I realize, now there's nothing wrong with activity, and I'll make some references. There's nothing wrong with your child being successful, wanting your child to go to a great school, do good in school, playing sports, being a professional athlete, a banker or lawyer, or as we was growing up, say a banker, lawyer, Indian chief, or to be some well-known uh, philanthropist or something like that. There's nothing at all wrong with having great goals and achieving them, but never at the expense of what God has said must be priority. And that's what I want to ask you today, automatically without changing your position right now, currently, when you look at your child, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see when you look at your child? Because, see, there's a, a part of me that just has to believe that with the threat of death and hearing the cries of all these other brand new mothers that were seeing babies being destroyed even though the midwives wouldn't do it. Some poor children already lost their lives, no doubt, and it had to cross their mind when they saw this baby or it had to be inspired by the Spirit of the Lord. They didn't see a little boy that would be some rich landowner one day or have a lot of money or be successful, but there had to be something in there that God impressed or laid on them and they saw a little boy maybe that perhaps would split the Red Sea one day so that God's children, his chosen, could walk by on dry ground. Or maybe they saw a little boy that would one day understand the value of the blood and pour it on the doorpost of all of his people so their children, their firstborn, could be safe. When they looked at that child, there was something inside of him that went fast forward to when he would be a grown man one day and it was a beautiful thing. It wasn't carnal. It wasn't temporary. It wasn't frou-frou. It wasn't just material based or anything like that. It wasn't surface at all. But it had to be something that they saw in their child. And Maybe it would be a scripture that his daddy had already received before Joshua would write it perhaps. He didn't know about it. Ask for me in my house. This little boy, we're going to serve the Lord. When they saw their child, something inside of them saw something that the eye just didn't catch. And I can prove it right this minute. Because they didn't base their decision on being scared of the king. They were not afraid, the Bible says. Let me just say this again. 
the parents hid him, and they were not afraid of the king's command. And there has to be a, a time. Let me, let me finish that. I'm getting ahead. But I, I want you to see this because I would understand this from a human standpoint if they made a basket not knowing what would happen and being scared of the king changing or doing it anyway, sending soldiers to do the job like we would see later on in history. I could understand them basing the basket off of being scared, but the Bible says they didn't base it off of that. The Bible says they didn't fear the king's command. Did you read that or didn't you? You read that. So they had to base it off of something else. The only thing we have left is what we read before. We read their position and how they felt about the king. And that was that they saw the child and he was beautiful. So I'm going to ask you again before we move on. When you see your son, your daughter, your grandchild, or a nephew, a niece, or somebody, when you see people, what do you see? Oh, they just aggravate, and I'd be glad when they get older, they can pay for their own stuff. What do you see when you look at your child? What do you see? Do you see a man that may be raised up by God one day? Do you speak? When you pray over that child, do you plead the blood over that son or that daughter and say, listen, I know that I don't live right, but I'm going to raise you right. I know that I didn't do everything right, but I see in you a warrior of the cross of Jesus Christ. I see in you somebody that is not ashamed of the gospel. I see in you a daughter that will raise her voice and give praise and honor to Jesus. I see a young man right here that don't mind being a fool for Christ's sake. I don't care what his friends do. I don't care what his cousins do or her cousins do, but I'm telling you, when I look at my baby with snot all over his face or her face and with them crying or with them doing good and happy, I don't really see that. I look far beyond when they're 18, when they're 13, when they're 40 years old and I'm dead and gone. I see a child of God that's going to do the work of an evangelist. And I want to tell you that if you don't see that, you probably will never witness that. So the bottom line is make sure that your child comes from a good bloodline. Because Moses, before Moses did all the things you read about, it was his parents that modeled and made a good decision, at least one we know of that was a life-changing, historical decision, you see. They passed it on to him because when I read verse 23 to you, we start reading where Moses is now not a baby anymore, but he's a grown man. And in verse 24, it describes it to the detail. When he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh. His mom and daddy didn't flinch at the king's command. When he became of age, Moses didn't. See, I want to say something. This is not a good thing to say, maybe, in some people's opinion, but it fits so good right here. If you live a life of fear, 
it resonates in your home, you will pass that on. How many people in here can say, or you are a witness today? My daddy was an alcoholic. My granddaddy was an alcoholic. My great Don't tell me people can't pass stuff on. And I'm just using that. That, that represents many different things. But his mama and daddy, they were more moved by what they saw in that child than the threat of what the king was bringing to the table. And too many parents, too many parents are guilty right now of giving their child or children over to the king. Where the world's doing it, that's what they need to do to fit in, to be accepted. This is what's happening. And, you know, it's, and people are not praying and seeking God, not only for themselves, but for their family. People aren't doing that. People are holding their breath, hoping their, their children will find their way, or they will find their way. They're doing all this. And what people are doing, folks, is they're giving their children over to a king who wants to kill, who wants to steal, and who wants to destroy. Because believe it or not, he owns every, he has control rather over everything under the sun on this planet you live on. Including the educational system. Many of you probably know by now, but I just uh, was privy to a video uh, just the other day, and Angie read me more things about Facebook just right up the street in Greensboro where a Christian club, Bible club, wanted to be implemented in a school. They rejected it and turned it down. Now, you listen, I'm not making this up, but a satanic club wanted to do a class, having an after-school class, a group, an activity. Not only did they approve that, but they were willing and emailed all the parents, all, and they emailed the parents with the permission slips telling what it is, what they're doing, and this is, you, you, you kind of like checking me out right now, and you, you can go check what you want to out about this. doesn't matter to me, but what I want to tell you, this same mentality of the church is why prayer got jerked out of school. People are too Democrat, people are too Republican, and they're zero Christian. But they fill up churches every week, fill out tithe envelopes, and they participate in some form of ministry, but their hearts are far from God is what the Bible says. And I keep saying this. If you are going to go to heaven and get that reward, you're going to have to cut your ties with this world somewhere, and you're going to have to do it soon. Are you going to find out that what you were holding on to was actually a, a weight that's going to keep you here. And I don't have a problem saying that. So we've got a lot of people that are giving their children over to the king. The king has always wanted to kill them. There's only one king that wants the best for your child. And it's not an earthly king. It's not a worldly king. It's the king of all kings. And my God is an awesome king. And his name is Jehovah Jireh, the provider, the healer, the sanctifier. Yes, he is. He's the way maker. And he's the lover of my soul. And I want you to know today that if you are not vigilant, about your child, your children, 
even your own life, in these days we're living in, I'm afraid the king's going to gobble you up. So, verse 24 says, By faith, Moses, when he became of age, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So here's a question for you right now. What is your child going to do when they become of age? Huh? They're going to make those kind of decisions? Or has the world already had more influence on them, on your dime and on your watch? Answer that to yourself right now. What's your boy going to do when he gets older? What's your girl going to do when she gets older? What way are they, what decision are they? Are they going to go where it's nice and fluffy and popular and great? Pharaoh's palace is where he was living. You know that, don't you? The top of the top. But the Bible says that he saw more value in what would be coming his way than a little bit of pleasure and a soft bed and nice clothes and good food. He rejected all that, but he rejected all that because he had a God-fearing mom and daddy with a brain, and they said, look, we got to make a hard decision. We got to put this baby in a basket and send him off and not knowing, but we're doing this by faith because we see something inside of him that God wants to do. And if you're going to do your child justice on your watch, you're going to have to make some hard decisions that keep you up at night, keep you on the toilet, that keep you crying and your eyes swollen. You don't know, but you know what God has already said is truth and you walk by faith, not by sight. And it gets hard to do that sometimes, church. But you're not trying to raise them just now. You're trying to raise them later too. Hallelujah. Now, I feel God in this house right here. And God is not ready to surrender, and he never will. The children of this generation, the youth of this generation, God is not sitting back saying, oh, well, I gave it a good run. No, he knows somebody somewhere is going to look at their child and say, honey, I know you don't like this. But we're going to God's house. We're not letting this trash in our house. I got it. This is not supposed to be over here. But God just laid this on my heart. I don't know where it is, and I don't even need it. Here's a here. here this will substitute. Pretend this is an iPhone 95. It's big now. But this. And what it will do is something that all parents need to kind of turn over on the other side of the bed and wake up. Because, see, the king does a majority of his work through social media. He does it. Most children have secrets from their they got two or three or four accounts. Don't, don't, uh, youth, don't get mad at me. Children, don't get mad at me. Because, see, I'm going to tell you something, parents. This right here is something you better take to heart. They know how to get around. They know about VPNs. What is a, v, uh, a virtual private? See, I, I'm from that world, so I know a little bit about it. 
They know all about VPNs. They know how to work around Wi-Fi. They know how to hack Wi-Fi. I'm talking about youngs in this church. They're smarter than you are because they're paying more attention to something that they want that everybody else is doing than you are paying attention to them and what God said you need to be doing with them. So, So they're into all this stuff. They know it. They know how to find the neighbor. Look, I I, I can bust you and I'm going to bust you. So listen, they know how if you shut the Wi-Fi off at your house, they know that their neighbor has an open Wi-Fi. They can get on that. I'm over a lot of people's head right now, but I ain't over these youngins' head. I'm speaking their language right now, and they're squirming, and I'm going to say this. Their rear end's doing like that right there right now. But I don't want them to end up in the river. I'd rather get them in a basket today if I could, you see. So listen to me. Listen, I got to hurry. We're not ignorant of his devices. Is it wrong if I'm on the Internet? It's wrong if you go to the wrong place on the Internet. Is it wrong if I'm on TikTok? If you're doing the wrong things on TikTok, it is. Is it wrong if I'm on Snapchat? If you're snapping the wrong things, it is. If it's wrong, I'm on Facebook. Yeah, if you're more known for your political view, are you doing wrong stuff on Facebook? Yes, it is. And all the other apps, we we just lay them all out. And you got to understand, the king's not sleeping. The king is working on a plan to take not only you out, but he's trying to take all the male children, and I mean youth in general. I don't mean that one gender. He's trying all he can to take them out because this generation is the one that's going to jerk his chain the hardest. It's the youth of the day we're living in. Well, how can you say that, Pastor? It's offensive, but I'm going to say it. Because you slash we all are our, we're set in our ways. We won't lift a finger unless it's something that's going to make a dollar or a nickel or something that feeds our flesh or makes us feel good. We're fat and happy and lazy. And we're just waiting on if Jesus does come back. And most people I'm preaching to, if you're not careful, you really don't believe that Jesus could come back right this minute. If you did, your life would look completely different. I'm not fussing. My heart's on fire. I don't want to bury a child. I don't want to lay in bed tonight wondering about children. You you see, because again, and I'm going to get off of the youth and the children and all this stuff here in one minute, but I want to say something. See, when they have about 160, no, let me take away about, I'm going to take away three hours. Take away an hour or two on Wednesday night, an hour on Sunday. Let's say 155 hours. When they have 155 hours to be in any and all environments, well, they don't leave the house. Oh, honey, they are in China when you are uh, eating a Twinkie. Yes. They're playing games with somebody over uh, tucked away in Germany or Singapore. You don't believe this stuff, but it don't matter. They want you to not believe it. They have no problem lying to you. They have no problem playing the sweet Eddie Haskell. They don't know who Eddie Haskell is now. 
maybe some of you do. They, they are Eddie Haskell reincarnate. Anybody, wait a minute. I feel so weird right now. Does anybody other than me know who Eddie Haskell is? Okay, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I know I'm old, but some of y'all right there with me now. And you've got to understand, this is not about pointing people out or calling apps out or technology out. This is about understanding that the trumpet of God could sound before I walk off this stage and we cannot, of all people, let the world go to hell because it is. But we're not appointed under wrath. We're the children of God. We've got to look like it. We've got to function like it. We've got to love like it. We've got to do all that and I've got to, and I've got to hurry like it. So, the second emphasis today we talked about children, your children. The next vantage point is, is you and me. So, a generation ago, Jim Elliott from Wheaton College, or went to Wheaton College to begin and become a missionary in Ecuador. Before he was killed, he wrote, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The Christian faith brings its own blood, sweat, and tears to those who would follow Jesus Christ. Christ calls us to discipleship. When we come to him, he takes away one set of burdens, the burden of sin, the burden of guilt, the burden of separation from God, the burden of hopelessness. But he also calls us to follow him to renounce our selfish desires and seek his will above all else. He calls to us, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So are we simply exchanging one burden for another, the burden of sin for the burden of obedience? No. It is no burden to follow Christ. Instead, we become the bearers of joy. Because now we are yoked to the very Son of God. Nor is it too heavy to bear, for Christ bears it with us. My yoke is easy. This is the word of Jesus. Words of Jesus. And my burden is light. So the question is, again, with whom are you yoked? The world or Christ? And that was from... Uh, a Billy Graham devotional of mine some time ago. So I want to read this scripture again. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So three questions before we pray. Quick questions here. How and why did Moses refuse what most people relish or want? How did he do it? Ask your, how, how did Moses do that? I mean, he had it made. Do you understand he was living in a palace? He could have gone back to that, never have to lift a finger, been served until the day he died. But that was so cheap. Oh, that was so cheap. He couldn't handle it. Why, how did he do that, preacher? Well, I'll tell you how he did it. The very first 
word or two words in the 23rd verse. By faith. He did it by his faith. That's how he did it. So that leads into question two. What decisions has your faith caused you to make lately? Now you see what his decision, his faith caused him to make a decision to refuse all that. To walk with the same clothes on, eating everything from insects to sometimes nothing. How did he do that? See, when you got a faith that's built on Jesus Christ, when you love this man right here more than you love filet mignon or you love the thought of being a millionaire many times over or people knowing who you are, when you love him that way, your faith will take you places your flesh would refuse to go. Thank you, Holy Ghost, because I didn't know that was there. Your faith will do it. Your religion won't. Your church won't. Your uh, seniority in your church won't do it, but your faith will. And the third question is, now we've read about Moses' position. Who do you want to be identified with? The world or the church? And again, I just have to read it. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked for a reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt. Not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. He did all that by faith. He did all that because his mama and daddy saw something proper in him when he was a baby. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to say this again. Because, again, we're about to go through another stage and that's how I want to say it. We're about to go through another stage of the new cycle that planet Earth has now embraced for a couple of years. We're about to enter another, well, sequel. That's a better word because you're familiar with movie terms. So I want to say this because it's going to keep being that way until the trumpet sounds. So don't think we're post anything. or No, you're, oh, no, you, you ain't post nothing. If you post anything, you might have a box of post cereal in your house. You ain't post nothing. So, never allow the threat of suffering to determine whether you do the right thing or not. Moses' parents didn't. Moses didn't. Will you bow your head with me, please? Father God, you've spoken to us today in your word. 
You've spoken to us today out of pure love because you're dependent on us. You're dependent on our children. You're dependent on this generation. God, we don't need to be slack on how we raise our children now. We don't need to be passive. We need to be vigilant. We need to be serious. We need to know, God, that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day when we drop our pocketbooks and pick up our shield and our spear, our sword, Lord. We let go of our checkbooks. We let go of our mirrors. We get rid of the thought of how I look today. My wardrobe, God, we, all this temporary mess, God, that Satan successfully used on us, it's rubbish now. And we're reaching for heaven, Lord. And I'm asking you, God, to help us to know that you are really for us, Jesus. You said, I'm going to leave you here. You're going to do greater things. And Lord, this is about high time that we start doing the greater things. And, and we can do all things through you, Jesus. So I pray, God, in the name of Jesus today, Lord. Lord, if people call our child a basket case, let us jump up and down and kiss the ground and say, thank you, God, my child is a basket case that's going to rip hell wide open. Father, all you do, we will give you praise because you're worthy. In the name of Jesus, I ask this, O oh Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is wanting you to be more open than you've ever been right now. You need to pray with people. You might need to pray with somebody. You not, might need to pray for somebody. You might need to hug somebody's neck. You might need to call somebody's name out. You may not even be in this church. But I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to outdo the king of this world without Jesus. Today is the day you need to do the right. There might be a 30-year root of bitterness in your life from somebody years ago. You need to deal with it right now. There might be an area of ministry God's laid on your heart and said, I'm calling you to this. You need to use what I've given you for me. If you want Jesus... You're going to be like Moses, Solomon, Pharaoh, all of the rich people of the Bible can really tell you that there's only one person that's of any value, and that's Almighty God. See, the thing with Pharaoh is he found out later on that it cost his firstborn. See, I'm not giving up on any church. I'm not giving up on people that aren't here that won't come to church. I'm not giving up on children. I'm not giving up on you. I'm not giving up on marriages that are on the rock. We've got, we've got a few in this church that you probably don't even know about. And it don't matter anyway because if you're not going to pray, it's none of your business. There's a lot of people that their marriage is struggling and suffering right now because this right here is not where it ought to be. If you don't get Jesus right in your life, you can't fake it by coming to church. 
You've got to be in love with this man. I want everything. I want everything. I want everything. But here it goes, the other side of this. I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you everything, Lord. You got to do it, church. This is a serious day. Satanic clubs in school. That's only the surface, you see. You don't know what the enemy's got planned before the Antichrist is revealed and steps on the scene. But see, God's been telling this church many weeks now, hasn't he? Hasn't he been calling out to us? Yes, he has. You don't have to clap or agree, but you really got to deal with the Spirit of God that's dealing with you right now. You got to do it. And I, I want to tell you something. You can't avoid people or ignore people and sin still not be at the door. That is sin in itself. If you know your brother has a fault against you, the Bible says don't even worry about bringing a gift. You leave it right where it is. You go straighten things out the way Jesus wants things straightened out. And God said, then we can move on from that. Church, we got some basic biblical principles that we've got to tackle. We've got to get, get back in place. And the main thing is Jesus. Don't call yourself a Christian. If you, can, if you can't love your brother whom you have seen, there's no way you can love God you haven't seen. You got to do the right thing. Somebody's got to man up. Somebody's got to woman up and say, I know, we don't always see eye to eye. I have to do this with preachers, even me. We don't see eye to eye, but we got more in common than we don't have in common, and his name is Jesus. We're going to focus on Jesus. We're not going to focus on my hang-ups or what you did to me or what you said about me or what I really don't like about you. We're going to the common thing that's going to carry us to heaven. His name's Jesus, and that's what we're going to focus on. And if you want everything, you'll give everything. You'll release everything. You'll let go of everything. You'll say, here it is, God. I don't care. I'm not trying to protect my character anymore. I'm trying to walk with the cross in my life. I don't care about my character. Jesus is my character. There's a revival that's being birthed in this church Upstairs in that soon-to-be children's church, over there in that children's building, that cafeteria, that student ministry. But there's some things that God is not going to turn his back on and give us revival. We've got to do what the Bible says to do. And we've got to love each other like the early church does. So church... If you want to see what God can do, you got to love your spouse. You got to hang in there. You got to be the difference maker at home. Children, you got to love each other. Students, you got to love each other. Exes, you got to love each other. You got to love employers you don't like. You got to love neighbors that do you wrong and steal your mess. You got to do the right thing because the king of this world is not joking around. He's going to kill. And if you don't make your mind, today's a basket day for me. I'm doing what I got to do. I'm just going to lay it all down. I'm laying my weapons down. I'm laying my pride down. I'm putting something in the basket today. And we're going to move on so God can do something with my life before the trumpet sounds. Husbands, it's time to be men of God. If your wife has a greater witness than you do, you need to fall on your face. 
You need to be ashamed because you are a disgrace to the manhood that God created. You need to be the spiritual. I know I ain't talking to all the husbands here or soon to be husbands, but the ones that's here, I want you to hear me right now. It's okay for your wife to be a godly woman and on fire for God, but you got to be the Jesus in your house. You've got to be the spiritual leader. That's the way God set it up. And until you assume that role that God blessed you with, your home is going to be whacked up and jacked up, and it's not going to be producing what God said it can produce. Every bit of this is the Spirit of God. There ain't nothing on my page over there that says say all this. But God's speaking to us because He's trying to do something with us, church. It's time to be a Christian and it's time to be in love with Jesus for real. It really is. It's time to be a godly daddy. It's time to be a godly mama. It's time to be a godly grandparent. It's time to be a godly neighbor. But my goodness alive, it's time to be a, church, a fellow church member too. See, that don't go nowhere. It went about five places right there. But I got to take you back to the second chapter of Acts. I keep going there, but that's where you see the fire break out. That's where it is. And you see what the people look like. The people look like one because they were one, down to selling their stuff to help each other out. And I'm telling you again, I don't care if you try to see when it happens and quote me, I don't care about that mess. I'm telling you that if the rapture does not occur first, when we go through the next phase or two, and you know what I'm talking about, some of you do, then you're going to have to get used to helping somebody out with a bag of groceries before it's over with. Now, you can think I'm lying because your freezer's packed right now. But if your power's cut off because you don't sing the song that they want sung and all your mess rots because you can't keep it Robbie Carter might be bringing you a box of beans one day and you better get your heart right with Jesus because the people in this building might be the people that save your life in a basket one day. I got to shut my mouth because I know that I'm just like spouting it right now. But it's like a Jeremiah for me. It's like fire shut up in my bones. I don't want to leave it on the table. And God says, Opie, y'all were that close. You were that close. If she would have done that, and he would have done that, and y'all could have just done that right there, or you could have just went right here, or this husband and wife could have really just been a couple and sold out for Jesus and let Jesus resonate in their home. Oh, that church, you would have seen thousands of people be saved and transformed in Scotland County. I don't want to live that out, you see. I don't want that to happen in glory. And then the brother beside me, God says, man, y'all did it. Y'all did the hard stuff. You said the I'm sorry. You, you started all over again. You, you put God first. You did it all. You did it all the way the Bible says. You didn't do what the world, you didn't care about Pharaoh's house. You didn't care. You didn't. So look, you see what I did? You see what I did before the trumpet sounds? See, that's happening somewhere. And God's dealing with people. You need to let him deal with you, man. Look. There's not 7,000 people in here today. There ain't even 6,500 people in here. What in the world you got to hide? What you got to hold on to? Let God do what he wants to do and watch. Mark it down. Watch what God does with the remainder of your life and your family. Father God, 
You've spoken, and, and God, you know. I've poured my heart out, and I, I have poured out, Lord God, what I know you've laid on my heart to tell these people. God, I have, I have nothing at all personally to gain from this. Not a thing, Lord. But the kingdom coming and your will be done is triumphant over everything in my life. I want marriages to be healthy and holy. I want families to look like God-fearing families. I want people to see great and mighty things that they know not of. But Lord, I know that we've got to want everything. Like that beautiful song that we all just fell in, Lord. We've got, to, we've got to want everything. We've got to decide to follow you, Jesus. We've got to do our first works over again. So God, help us today, Lord, to realize we're so close. We wouldn't even leave this building if we knew how close we were. We, would, we refuse to. God, help us to catch this fire, Lord that you're pouring out, that you're doing wherever people are receptive to it. I pray, God, that today, for the first time, you would open the eyes of parents, not see what all the world is doing with their children, but would you open their eyes to see that proper child that you've blessed them with, that beautiful child, that blood over the doorpost child, that worship child, that evangelist child, that soul winner in the workplace child, that leader at their school child, yes, even, even right now where they are, God, would you open the eyes of parents here and everywhere to disregard the king in this world, Lord, and what all the systems are feeding into children, and God, see what the good work you've started in their home, in their family, Lord. If you're not a believer, You've got to understand one thing. If you're not ready to meet Jesus, and I'm going to tell you how easy it is, there's only one thing, one way you can do this too. You've got to understand that that cross means there was a crucifixion. That crucifixion took place with the body of a man named Jesus on it. That man was beaten beyond human recognition. And all the fluid, including the blood and the water in his body, ran out of his body. And here's the catch to this. He did not have to do this. He hadn't done anything. But you and you and I and you on camera, we did. We were born into this world. We were born as sinners. We didn't get to a certain age and start sinning. We were born as sinners. But the Bible says that even though while we were sinners, Christ did die for us. And what you have to understand, first of all, is that you are a sinner. You are a violation, a human breathing, walking violation to the holy law of God. Hallelujah. And the only thing you can do about that, and only you can do it, is to say, Oh God, 
Oh, God, I am so sorry of all the things I've done, all the thoughts that's been in my mind. I am sorry, God. I am a transgressor, and I've, God, offended you, and I've built up wrath, Lord, because of my sin. And I need for you to forgive me, Lord. I need what you did right here. I, I need for it to flow over my body or I know that I will perish and suffer for my sins in a hell that was not even made for me. You can't just say a sinner's prayer and not be remorseful, really? No, because God looks at your heart. What comes out of your mouth has to be a reflection and a reaction of what's taking place in your heart. Does everybody understand that when I say that? So if you do that, if you realize you're wrong, you're wrong, we're wrong, and the blood of Jesus can make it all right. And you say that, the Bible says in Revelation 3.20, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Oh, and he's knocking today. This is the Holy Ghost knocking at this altar, online, all around us. That's the Spirit of God. And you might say, well, I'm a Christian, but he's knocking for other reasons right now. Because you slammed the door on everything from unresolved bitterness to the things that, that you've done yourself. And God says, I'm knocking today because I want in, I want to be all, and I want you to decide to follow me today. I think I've explained it the only way I know to explain it. And if you say, Jesus, that's me. I want that. I need that. I have to be in that place right now. The Bible says God is faithful and he's just, he's willing to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then if the trumpet were to sound right now, you'd go home with the rest of us. So this is what we're going to do before we leave. That song that's been playing is just straight out of the Bible. And it just says this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance towards you. Look. Of all the people in the world, you want looking at you. You want Jesus looking at you. You want the countenance of God to be looking in your direction. Because the last part of this prayer is, and he'll give you peace. I don't think anybody in here turned down a good dose of peace, will you? I won't. Hey, I can tell you, I take it all. I take the one, the peace you don't want. If you're saved, if you're online, there's simple instructions. If you're here, I want you to come to this altar right here about where Nelson Jr. is, and we're going to get some material right here. He's the tallest man up here right now. You can see that. And we have some, some things we want to give you to help you out online. Number you can text. You can go to the website. God will do what he's going to do. Now listen. 
We really are going home, but I got to give you one more warning. And that is everything that took place in this church today, including right now, Satan is aware of it. Did everybody hear me when I said that? So what you have to do, you have, you have to walk out those doors back there with the assurance of knowing that he that's begun a good work in you today will be faithful to complete it. And don't you take no for an answer. Don't you let the devil say no, no, no. You remember, you remember this cross. You remember that it's your job to be a basket lover. You're going to do the hard things. You're going to do the things that grip your heart. But, but you're looking like Moses did. You're looking so far down the road that it just amazes and confuses everybody else. So don't let the devil talk you down or talk you out or be like the Bible says, a dog that returns to it. Don't go back to the way things are. Go home and shake things up. Confuse him. If your TV's been on junk, your car radio's been on junk, your phone's been on junk, your gaming station's been on junk, and all your social media's been on junk, you need to go home, you need to flip it right now, or you need to just 86 it. You need to do it. You got to do it because we're playing with serious times here. On your way out, there's a table on the left. I'm calling it the refill table. And I know Jaleel, hey, by the way, Jaleel was in the hospital yesterday, supposed to be going to Chapel Hill because they thought he had some heart things going on and he still has to be careful and see a specialist. But he's supposed to be in Chapel Hill uh, right now in a bed and not over there at that bass guitar. But my God is awesome. He can move a mountain. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, he can. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. I pray in the name of Jesus that the Lord would bless you and keep you, and he would make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you, that the Lord would lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I pray this week that you will find yourself more and more hungry for the presence of God. There's no place else on this earth like being in the presence of God. The Lord does not return before Wednesday. We pray that we will see you and your entire family Wednesday night at our Laurel Hill campus. God bless you.